All right. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 22 of the Nutanix Weekly Podcast. I have myself, Harvey Green, and got uh, Jaira Cox from Nutanix. Jaira, how's it going today? Harvey, doing well, man. How are you? I am pretty good. We I'm going to say, it, it, I heard the host come on and that you didn't sound like Andy. All <laughs> right. We are Sam's Andy Whiteside today. Uh, he might come on, he might not, but we'll get it started without him. And uh, hopefully we will have fun. And while the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> I'm not going to sing just the two of us. So <laughs> Lower your nice. expectations here. Nice. <laughs> uh, so today we wanted to get in the episode uh, about the blog, the Nutanix Mine Advances Data Protection Mission with Commvault. This was uh, actually published today. So look at us being very current. We're uh, timely. Yeah. Very, very daring out there, right? <laughs> so uh Jair, just I guess help help remind us and, and to explain for some of us who don't already know, what is Nutanix Mind? Yeah, so so Nutanix Mind, right? Uh one of the newer products, right, for sure, that, that you'll hear attached to Nutanix. And one of the newer use cases as well, I would say, uh, beyond that, is targeting Nutanix Mine as a backup platform. So something that that the platform actually is remarkably capable of doing, works very, very well, but not, you know, been our 10-year, 11-year history of the company type of use case, right? It's definitely, it's newer than that. Um, but one that works super, super well powered primarily by uh, our offering uh, called Objects, right? Which is S3-based storage on Nutanix clusters. And the the real benefit there is the, the growth, right? So, um, so Nutanix Mine starts with that premise of let's use Nutanix as a backup target and says, what do customers want out of their backup solution, right? Both the software and the storage they want ease of use, right? They want simplicity. They want integration. They want to do less work, not more. Um, and so mine is what wraps all of that up in uh, I'm noticing we, we kind of get right into it, right? Like there's very little preamble on our, on the Jaira Harvey. Uh, we do. Focus show. <laughs> I was like, wow, like we're really deep here. And we're like probably like three minutes in. Um, <laughs> get, right, we're we're right. going to get in and get out. I'll, I'll back us out just a little bit. Let me, let me ask, uh, let me ask a crazy question here. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned in talking about Nutanix Mind is is objects, and you made the reference to S3 storage. Um, S3 is a term that I'm sure some people have heard before, and it might be new to some people. What What is S3 storage? Yeah, yeah great question. So, like, of all the ways you can write a backup, right? Like, you can... Um, write it to a like a tape, which ultimately needs a file system. You can write it to like a NFS share or SMB share on a NAS, which in which case the file system lives remotely on on that uh, on that NAS device. <clears throat> of course, you can do anything you wanted to to block storage as well. Uh, like you can give uh, your backup solution, you know, just a disk and say write to this thing. Uh, S3 is a storage. I'm going to say protocol. Someone might argue with me on that, but <laughs> it basically, it, I think it gets the idea across. It's a way to write data. 
right. to a storage target that is primarily like usually very cloudy, right? It's Amazon invented it like 10 years ago. Um, it's a, what does it stand for? Hmm. Good pop quiz. Simple storage service. I think we got there. Um, Look at that. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the ability to write a file and then retrieve it, right? And maybe it comes from one location. Maybe it's replicated and geolocated and you would use that to run like a CDN, you know, and store stuff, you know, around the world, replicate copies of data. Uh, it's just a way to write, write data and then retrieve it later. Uh, and it brings some interesting capabilities. Um, the first one is, since there's, it's it's really abstracted from the underlying file system, it can grow to be huge, right? Like I think each piece of data can be like maybe like five terabytes or something ginormous, but you could have millions of them or billions of them. Uh, and so <clears throat> you you don't hit underlying storage limits really as easily when, when the storage system like Nutanix can scale out underneath that S3 protocol or the protocol adapter or whatever is doing that, that S3 handshake and the HTTP, or HTTPS to block storage conversion, like which for us, that, that would be objects doing that for you. Um, so that's what S3 is, the scalability, the simplicity, and then also really the security is what really brings it in, makes it very, very, very uh, fashionable for backups today, right? Because, because of the world we live in right now, the current like uh, cybersecurity climate, right? All the attacks happening, uh, a lot of attacks commonly, you know, they can take out, well, I've, I've heard of stuff that takes out, wipes the storage array itself, wipes the hypervisor, can wipe like blade chassis. That's just being, that's just being petty right there, right? <laughs> you know, wipe my hypervisor installation on a blade server. Like, man, you're really going for like the Grinch took everything. Uh, yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah. You know, and they can also wipe the, the backup storage target, right? And now if I take your backups away and take the primary data away, you're, you're gonna have a really bad day. Um, so with, with S3 as a protocol, the protocol supports worm storage. So I can tell the backup provider, like objects on Nutanix in this case, you know, this data can is never allowed to be changed ever, right? I mean, you're going to write it once and then you can read it a bunch of times, you know, write once, read many worm. There you go. But uh, I was just going to get to asking you that and went ahead <laughs> and did it anyway. But it's not, it's not allowed to change. Um S3 to get really nerdy, S3 even supports that. Uh, I think natively as a protocol, it never changes data in place. If you want to create an update to a file, it actually writes a whole new file out and then just throws away the old copy of it. It never does granular modifications to a file. Um, I think, keep me honest, I didn't invent S3, but um, that's my understanding of it. So then Worm just says, uh, you know, deny that, write a new copy of the file, right? We're going to keep the old one around and nothing, it, you know, it can never be destroyed um, until it's hit like your perhaps legal retention requirements, right? I must keep it for three years and it cannot be changed in that time frame. So I can think of a lot of different scenarios in which that kind of data integrity would be very important. Like, uh, like backups? Like like backups, yes. Like yes. if I wrote it and I want to come back in five years and pull it back up, it it uh, it shouldn't have changed in that time or been allowed yes. to change in that time. Well, and that's that's the that's the difference, right? Not being allowed to change at all during that time. That's that's the big one, right? Because yeah. when something happens, like your like your Grinch stole Christmas analogy, there when somebody comes in and they wants to wipe completely everything, they can't change that backup. Wow, why not? Not allowed to. Huh? Why? How can that help me? 
what what this ransomware do <laughs> yeah no for sure totally Absolutely comes through and tries to encrypt or change every file you have but what happens gyra if it's not allowed to change your file at all usually nothing the ransomware stuff i've seen <laughs> yeah yeah usually the ransomware stuff i've seen uh it it fails out right like if it can't know that it was able to create the encrypted copy it never deletes the primary, right? Because that's its whole failure mode is it's trying to not right. destroy your data, just encrypt it. Uh, right. Or encrypt it's it's there to hold you hostage, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Otherwise, otherwise, it's just a virus, right? Ransomware only works because the data is, in theory, retrievable. So they've got yeah. to have a, an intact copy of it. <clears throat> so that's that's the history lesson, right, of like launching mine using Nutanix. We can talk more about like why Nutanix is a platform. Um, but so then, like, that's that's the the table setting of like, and now what's really new here, right? And the the what's new is so now Commvault getting in the hot tub, right? So so that simplicity of saying, you know, how do I deploy the entire thing, right? The application that does my backups, my backup backup team, my backup admins will, will use day in day out, and the backend storage that it will write to. How do I deploy that as easy, as easily as possible? Have that integration. Um, you know, for common dashboarding, all that good stuff. Uh, and so that's where that's where mine and now with Commvault as, a, as an option there, right? My, Commvault can be the backup product layer that runs within uh, your environment and writes to Nutanix mine storage um, to, to create that enterprise grade, you know, fantastic RPO, R, RPO RTO, uh, strong SLA platform and offering to do enterprise grade backups. Uh, on the Nutanix platform, Where, wh- whatever you choose to back up, whether you're backing up, you know, physical, virtualized, um, whatever, right? That doesn't matter. That would all be between you and your software vendor compatibility list. So if I'm already a Commvault customer, I can keep using the same Commvault that I know and love. And this just gives me another place to back it up to. Um, by the same token there, if I, so... If I'm a Nutanix customer, uh, how, you know, and, and I'm looking at using Nutanix Mine, do I just buy more of what I already bought or is Nutanix Mine a totally separate type of offering? So if you were running Nutanix as your primary like compute cluster, then yeah, Mine probably for lots of great reasons should be its own cluster, right? It's probably going to be differently shaped. Uh, one reason why, you know, Backups on Nutanix is sort of a, sort of a more recent thing. Um, it comes down to logistics of just like form factors, node shape, disk sizes, right? right? I, I want, if you're doing backups, yeah, we want those like 18 terabyte, you know, HDDs, right? Hard drives in there. We want to get lots of them, right? So we love these new form factors that can take like 24, three and a half inch full size disks right. into U, right? Very, very dense, very huge nodes that are pushing, I think, 300, 400 terabytes raw storage into U, right? Just staggeringly huge nodes that um, are, work really, really, really well as a backup target. Um, so, I, you know, normally when we talk Nutanix, uh, one of the things that we talk a lot around is performance, right? So we've talked, you know, a long time about how we can help build the Ferrari or the Lamborghini for people so that they can have the the fastest performance available to them. Uh, We talk about bus speed, data locality, all of those things. 
And now what, what you're saying or what I'm hearing is that Nutanix is doing, you know, a totally different trick where uh, it's much more focused on making sure that you've got a very high storage density uh, and a very small amount of space and with much, much cheaper storage for your Nutanix mind setup. Yeah, right. It's still, it's still the world we live in that backups probably hit some kind of magnetic tier eventually, right? And if they're going right. to do that, magnetic tier storage, you know, performance comes from spindle counts. So we want to get lots of spindles per node um, and you want uh, the best density you can get, right? So the larger the drives, the more drives that can fit per node, the more that's going to make sense as a backup backup target for sure, yeah. Um, what's cool is I think it was we did <clears throat> we bring all of the Nutanix, you know, our AOS storage layer goodness to even that kind of prospect. So you mentioned like if you're already a Nutanix customer, right? So if you already know how to do, you know, your AOS one-click upgrades, right? Which is just log in and tell it, you know, boom, scan for upgrades and then go go do them. Or, uh, you know, the way you expand a cluster and add a new node, um, you know, when you understand how a CVM works and what the availability model of the node versus the cluster is and how a CVM going down is just not a big event whatsoever, right? Uh, not not a big event to the cluster, not a big event to your day. Right. Um, doesn't leave you, you know, diving out of a meeting to go fix that. Um, then you'll understand how that works as a backup target, right? So then reuse all of your learning from Nutanix running production workloads to Nutanix running backup workloads as well. Um, and then other cool stuff that I think, I mean, just one of the reasons why I just love Nutanix um, and love working here and, and designing solutions that work for our customers, stuff like the fact that, you know, we scan uh, every block of storage that you've given us to hold at least once a day and verify that it's not bit rotting in place, right? We scan it against the metadata we have and verify we still have full integrity of all the copies of that data so that when you come back to get it in five years, because this is a long running backup, a long retained backup, when you get it back in five years, it's like it, it, it matches what you wrote on day one. Right. So that, you know, we're, we're um, we've got active prevention in place that keeps that data from changing on disk, right? No matter how many solar flares want to come in and try to zap that drive. So that's great. Yeah, that, that means that there's there's definitely some more added benefit in, in using Nutanix Mine and using all of the uh, all of the features and functionality that's already built into AOS to continue to, you know, change to continue to help with the complete life cycle of your data all the way through backup and, and archiving for years. Yeah, and I just and fundamentally right, it's in our DNA that we want customers to to have choice, right? So if you've already grown to love Nutanix as a storage platform, don't want to learn another platform for for backup, and it has you know um, uh, performance and availability and data integrity benefits as well, right? So it's not just easy for you; it's also easy for your data. Right. Yeah, let's go with that. For, let's go with that phrase. Um, <laughs> the uh, you know. You you know have even more options right under that mine family of jointly engineered, jointly supported offerings um, that let us meet customers where they are. Right, if you're already a Commvault customer and that uh, you love Nutanix storage, this is you know two great tastes that taste great together. Nice. So if I if I'm listening to this today and uh, and I'm a Commvault customer, but I'm not yet a Nutanix customer. Can I still get mine? Can I still use all of this lovely, you know, all these lovely features that I'm hearing about right now? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you can start anywhere, right? You can start with Nutanix just for backup. If you know if that's all that you you know your uh, depreciation cycle has you planning for this year, that's totally fine, right? Nutanix running mine, doing the S three storage, running uh, any almost any choice of backup solution partner, including of course today's announcement, Commvault. Um, yeah, works great, right? Backing up whatever Commvault supports on its compatibility list as the ingest and then writing out to Nutanix storage. Zero requirement that you're also a Nutanix production customer. Of course, we'd love you to be. And there's lots of great reasons why you ought to be. But uh, for sure, yeah, no requirement on that. Nice. That makes total sense to me. Uh, hopefully, to same to everyone else. Um, and, an, and, go ahead. There's an eye-popping stat. In this uh, in this article, I, that, so I was just about to say, in in true Andy form, um, I'm I am not, pro, you know, going down my my blog post as I should. <laughs> so so go ahead, let's let's talk. Any, about anybody can read a blog post of themselves, right? They come here for the discussion and the commentary. That's right. Maybe the <laughs> choose your own reading order. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, sometimes we start talking and. We've gone through every point the blog post was supposed to make, and we haven't even started trying to. So, <laughs> except for this one, right? So, so what's what caught your eye here? Um, no, you you said you have a, an eye popping statistic here, right? Yeah. So, so this stat, um, the the blog post cites a hundred and forty six percent increase in ransomware attacks since February of twenty twenty. So, call that as we record this seventeen months ago. So eight, yeah, I, 18 months ago. So I, uh, I would call that uh, pre-COVID. <laughs> would, well, sure. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. You heard it here first. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> all the, you know, some people went home and quarantined at home and, and, you know, learn how to make bread and watch T- Tiger King. Other folks went home and uh, launched new strains of ransomware. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, I, I think that's, you know, where a lot of it kind of, came from right people with uh we'll call it time on their hands, time <laughs> on their hands. The, the facts support the conclusion for sure um, um, the, the which, which is also funny as i say that because you know normally uh you know when we talk about bad actors and and things that they're doing um you know normally people have this conception that these people don't have uh jobs or they, you know they're they don't have anything to do all day I think this probably supports the conclusion that they actually do have something to do until COVID hit. <laughs> and oh, yeah. All oh yeah. No, as many, as many attacks as you hear about these days that are from either like state sponsored shops yeah. or at least not, uh, you know, shops where the state is turning a blind eye to their operations. It's just, it kind of, it's a, it's a wild thought to have, right. That those folks had to go work from home too, right. There's some, there's some middle manager at some kind of a, a terrible ransomware, uh, <laughs> you know, command and control development and operations shop. Who's like, I've got to monitor all my, you know, bad guys working from home, make sure they're being productive, you know, <laughs> whole different degree of a uh, whole different degree of empathy there. Right. That what a, is hilarious. What a wild mental picture to have uh, um yeah, okay but we're way uh, off topic now <laughs> we, we said we said short and sweet get in get out um so it, it's just it's just wild right to think that that's that's 146 that's a two and a half x increase in in amounts of attacks and i think if you look at you know calendar 2019 that wasn't a no ransomware year right that no, was, there was plenty all. of events that happened then and now for 
you know, two and a half times that amount. That's, I mean, it just, it, it jives with what you see in the newspapers, right? What, right. That's not a thing. It jives I with mean, what you see online. Um, about, it jives with what we see, right? I mean, yeah. we, we've seen that pattern for sure that, that it's a lot more prevalent now than it used to be. Yeah. Attacks um, left, right and center. Yeah. I, that's, that's just, that's interesting to me. Um, I, yeah, I, I would, I can't vouch for, you know, 146%, right? But I, I can definitely vouch for it's a lot more common than it used to be. Uh, well, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely not going to come back and say, well, no, it's not 146. It was only 143, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a big deal. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's funny you should bring that up because, we you know, we, we were already talking about the... Uh, the advantages there of, of the worm storage, write once, read many, and the fact that it does help with uh, with ransomware and help you protect your data against it since nothing and nobody has access to uh, to change that data once that backup has been written. I think it speaks to the, yeah, I think it speaks to the why more than anything, right? Like, is DTNX a great platform for, for data storage? Absolutely, including backups, also yes. Is Commvault great technology to write those backups? Also, yes. But the why is just your your data needs to be safer than ever, right? Because it's never been in in so many crosshairs at once, right? You know, human right. error doesn't go away. Change control is still needed. All that all that is is more or less, I'd say, static. And then everybody outside your firewall is trying to get to your data more than they ever have right so so yes does nutanix you know mine with commvault have ease of use benefits and creature comforts and great data integrity as a platform all of the above for sure but but do you have more of a need as a data owner and it leader to you know have better slas of the business and better recovery from like some of our worst case nightmare scenarios also yes right and like start there and and then define requirements for a solution, right? And then of course, if Nutanix mine with Commvault, you know, matches your requirements for sure. But but you know, maybe the the biggest call to action, right, is just don't assume that what worked for you for data protection four years ago is still still yeah. you know gonna be sufficient. absolutely not. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you know, I, it's it's funny even mentioning that because like people really like IT or things that come from IT because they're always changing, they're always getting better, right? So if you're in IT and you're still doing things the way you did them four years ago, like that that sends its own message. Um, so, you know, it's definitely something you want to look at. We, we do a lot of talking about what we can do on the front end for security, what we can do to stop things from happening. This conversation is all about making sure that you have a plan for after something happens. Uh, you know, something that I, I talk about all the time with people is in IT, it is never ever about if, it is always about when. Uh, yeah. this, this is your protection for the when. You know, we 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 couldn't, you know, we we do our best to stop the stop it and make it if, but once it actually happens, you have to have a plan to to get back to normal, to get back to you know, what you had to make sure your data is there. And, you know, we've we kind of touched on this before, right? To make sure 
that you can actually trust the data that you've backed up. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you you have backups where you've actually, you know, put in place or backed up the actual thing that's causing you to have to go back to your backups. So uh, the fact that you have this, this immutable backup and that nothing can write to and nothing can do anything to it once it's already there uh, is, is a big, big, big plus for you uh, in knowing what data you can and cannot trust. Yeah, it makes those backups more usable in more scenarios, right? There's fewer right. scenarios that that compromise those backups. Um, you, you get down to network power, physical availability almost before you you have a scenario where you can't get to the get to that backup data. Yeah, no, I mean I love to be the drum of um, the tabletop planning you do, right? The hypotheticals that you kick around and say, how would we recover from X, right? That you do with right. your teams. That's it's invaluable, right? The the time pays for itself for sure to to think about where would we be exposed and do that kind of creative thinking. So, well, Harvey, we're, we have two thirds as many hosts and I'm sad to say we didn't go any shorter today. So I think, <laughs> I think we found, we found the problem here, buddy. It's you and me. Nice. Well, <laughs> um, that's okay. Right. Because they like listening to us. I think. There we go. That's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> <laughs> and- it's, it sounds like the best conclusion I can come to. <laughs> we found another theory that fits the data. Fits the data. Perfect. That's awesome. right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, th- thanks a lot for, for discussing that with me today. Um, how can we learn more? Uh, I am. Uh, I am convinced that the best way to learn about Nutanix is to do the test drives, right? Just hop onto a live cluster you know, get hands-on experience with it, see how it, see how it does. It even has crafted, like, you know, choose your own adventure <clears throat> discovery tracks of like, I want to learn about backups or application deployments or, uh, you know, uh, data resiliency, you know, go in there do the test drive. One of the easiest ways to, to really see the live product running, uh, in your own browser tab. Uh, and of course, beyond that, anybody can reach out that wants to reach out for sure. Uh, it's integrative as well. I mean, clearly you, you know this stuff as well as I do. So um, reach out to your friends that uh, are happy to chat about it. Nice. Uh, I'll throw out there too, for those who want to learn more about Nutanix as a whole, uh, we've got a workshop coming up on August 13th at 10 a.m. You can sign up for it uh, on the website, Zintegra.com, or you can send me a line. Just drop me a line on LinkedIn or send me an email. Uh, I appreciate your time today, Jara. Uh, let me let me just add to you that uh, we we got to start over because I haven't been recording, uh, and I hope you're ready for that. All right, cool. Man. That, was a, that was a fantastic dress rehearsal, man. Way to go! This is going to be a great episode once we get it recorded. <laughs> I, all right, I, I didn't forget. <laughs> I wanted to see how you'd react to that, though. Uh, <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll we'll look forward to uh, everybody's topic and feedback on this one. And we'll, we'll do the next one. Talk to you next week, man. Thanks, Jara. You bet. Bye.